Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice with your host, Rocky Deer. Hi, and welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast. Do you remember the Netflix movie, Don't Look Up? Well, whether you saw it or not, you might remember hearing about it. It was a 2021 movie about a comet hurtling through space toward Earth. Or maybe it was a meteor. Apparently there's a difference. I don't know. But if you haven't seen it, I won't give away the ending. Suffice it to say, though, in the face of our collective impending doom, the movie probes just how stupid humans can be across all walks of life, spanning the political and socioeconomic spectrum. And I, for one, found it offensive. I mean, yes, humans can be stupid, except for me and my views. I mean, those are anchored in morality, sensibility, rationality, and stuff that directly benefits me. Okay, so now here's the deal. Right, I know two lawyers who seem to have completely missed the point of the movie. Victor Flores is a city attorney for Brownsville, Texas, and serves on the board of the Texas City Attorneys Association. Walk down the hall from Victor's office and you will likely run into Will Trevino, a deputy city attorney for Brownsville and a doctoral candidate at Baylor University's Learning and Organizational Change Program. Despite the movie's title, these two dudes insist on looking up. They're unceasingly looking up into space. Now, why might two city attorneys be looking at the skies? I mean, isn't there a zoning issue or a tax they should be working on? I mean, come on, people. The thing is, though, Brownsville, Texas has become the hub for SpaceX, a private company focused on exploring and making space accessible to humanity. SpaceX's CEO, Elon Musk, has famously tasked his company with one day colonizing Mars. And SpaceX is not alone. Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic are just two other private entities with similar missions. Now, Victor and Will are sitting at the eye of the developing space storm, and they are having to learn about this nascent area of law at warp speed. Sorry about that. I couldn't resist warp speed. Okay, both of these individuals have written articles for the July-August 2022 issue of the Texas Bar Journal. Victor's piece is called Building a New Highway from Texas to Mars, and it discusses the new areas of law that attorneys must be prepared to address in a new world beyond our own. Will's editorial space hackers, cautions us about the impending cybersecurity issues that will invariably come with space exploration. Both of these veritable space cadets are here with us today, so let's welcome them, Victor and Will. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So look, guys, let's let's start with, with Brownsville, Texas and its relationship to space exploration. How did that happen? And other than, is, is there more going on besides SpaceX? And I mean, update us on what's going on. Well, so, um, so definitely SpaceX is a, is a huge partner in the economic development, just the overall development of, of, of the city of Brownsville. It has its tentacles also in, in other supporting industries as well. And that's what's maybe the, the, the lesser red story is, is all the supporting industries that, that support SpaceX. But uh, just, just quick, uh, 2021, SpaceX's impact it employed 1,600 direct employees. It added 6,000 jobs in Cameron in County. Brownsville? In, just in Cameron Brownsville? In, in, in Cameron County. So Brownsville is a city of a, a population of 180,000, approximately 180,000 uh, residents of Brownsville. And Brownsville is the kind of the, 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 the seat of the county, being the, the, the largest city in the county. So, so yeah, so, so 6,000 jobs in Cameron County. And then the... the the investment that is coming into the region is just, I mean, it's in the millions of dollars. So it's, it's definitely um, made uh, our city uh, react and, and <laughs> we had to respond very quickly to, to all the, the, the rapid growth. 
So now, now, you know, Victor, you've talked a bit about this, and I assume you get to have a lot of fun with the space issues. But Will, do you get to do any of that, or is Victor hogging it all the all the fun <laughs> stuff for himself? He he'll, he'll throw me a piece here and there, you know, it's like the hundred <laughs> dogs. You just keep your mouth open. But um, no, I mean, yeah, Victor, I mean, we all know Victor's a Marine, right? So he's like, you know. Never leave, leave a comrade behind unless you're having too much fun. Then he just yeah. runs away, right? <laughs> and he just runs away. No, we actually, for one of our, it was neat because, you know, I'm new for the city of Brownsville or new to the city of Brownsville. One of the first retreats that I participated in was to take a tour of SpaceX facilities. And I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it. I'm pretty yeah, sure, sure we had to sign our lives oh. away. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was it was neat. And so, yeah, you know, most city attorneys, what do they deal with? Zoning, you know, elections. Right. Uh, but we've had the luck and, and are blessed to be dealing with some space issues. I don't know if you know this about Victor and myself, but we're two Valley boys that grew up in the Rio Grande Valley that have returned. And it would, if it wasn't for the SpaceX exploration, the current space race, we would we would not be here, essentially coming back because of the opportunities that have arisen because of that. How did Texas kind of come to be at the epicenter of this private space industry and Brownsville in particular? I mean, it's, I think for a lot of folks, for a lot of folks in Texas, the fact that Texas is a candidate, you know, we're, we're all, we've all got patriotism for our state, right? Some Texas prides. We're like, oh, of course, Texas. But how did, how did Brownsville find itself at the epicenter of this? Well, I'll approach it from from the state level first. Um, the state of Texas is, has uh, established just uh, great partnerships with corporations from from across the country and have attracted corporate headquarters in droves, right? And so the Texas Economic Development Corporation, they're they're an integral partner in bringing SpaceX and other air and space industries to to, to the state of Texas, and it's so it really starts at the state level. And, and I think just geographically, um, Boca Chica, which is right, I mean, minutes away from from the city of Brownsville, right? It's 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 out by the port. It's it's strategically placed where you know you have access to uh, to our seaport, mm-hmm. uh, to an airport, uh, and so and it has open space to to conduct these launches. So so I I, I think that was the the recipe to 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 bringing it down to Brownsville. And I think you also have a local government too, both at the city and county, that are very supportive of it as well. For sure. What does it take, I guess, for for those of us that are unfamiliar with how this works, right? From a from a municipal and from a from a county level, what does it what does it mean for a government to be supportive of these types of businesses? What are these businesses looking for? And you know, if for for us as lawyers, if we're trying to help guide our clients you know, through these processes, what should we be on the lookout to find with these local and state governments? Well, I, I think what, what a lot of the air and space industry is looking for is a qualified workforce, hmm. right? Um, th- these are new technologies. And you can't just, you don't have a pool of uh, candidates of employees that, that you can really grasp from to create some of these newer technologies, right? They're, they're ever-changing, like they're constantly changing and so what the, the city of Brownsville has done is it's partnered up with the local uh, educational institutions, uh, college, universities, t- technical schools to help produce in a faster way, you know, a bigger pool of candidates to help support ventures like SpaceX. You know, the, 
SpaceX, you know, through government funding and, and other projects, I mean, they, they, they have the funding there. They, they have the funding to do it. I think the biggest uh, the biggest help that municipalities, counties can do is is to partner in ways to create that workforce that they need. Well, and it's interesting because Brownsville, as you said, has 180,000 people. And I'm assuming Cameron County is not going to add significant numbers to that 180,000. So with 180,000 people, the city of Brownsville and Cameron County in general is trying to create a workforce that can support a really large industry. That sounds kind of daunting, but... You know, does this does this mean you have to attract people from outside of Brownsville and Cameron County, or, you know, are you able to meet the needs with what you have on site? I think it's a combination of both because you, with the initiatives that Victor was mentioning, to try and train the current workforce here, that's eventually going to turn out people that are able to do the work. Sure. At the same time, the work needs to be done right now, right. and so how we the county and the city can help by bringing people in here is making, you know, generationally millennials and the Zoomers, they all have certain things that they like, parks, their favorite restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things that lure young families that have those skills already to come to the Valley. And so I think that is one way that we can help lure that talent is by putting certain things into place so that we can open up those, 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 um, I guess those amenities, if you will. Right. I, I would even go more basic, uh, Rocky, is, is, is the housing need, right? So, so we, it, it takes time to, to develop some of these larger subdivisions. And so as people come into the community, as we continue to expand at such a great rate, there's a need to make sure that we, we are efficient with the way we process subdivision plats, the way we, we process uh, development plans, uh, and working with our planning department, both at the at the city and the county level is making sure we have all the infrastructure in place uh, for a city to facilitate the, the growth in traffic, you know, in schools and, and things like that. I'm glad you said housing because I can attest to that. Being, <laughs> <laughs> I just moved in. I'm still unpacking boxes. But a, a, good, a, a great example of what Victor is talking about is that zero base, zero carbon. What is it called, Victor? Zero carbon emission housing. Astria. Astria, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to tell us about that? That sounds spacey too, actually. Astria, no, no, okay. it, it, no, no, it really is. It's um, so it's a pilot program for building sustainable housing on Mars. But oh wow! The, okay, but the, but the developer, the, the actual the, the engineer that, that is constructing uh, this subdivision, is doing a, a essentially a pilot program within the city of Brownsville. So everything is going to be manufactured offsite, but then you know. I think they'll be able to put up a house within, you know, a, a, a day because it's mo- like, kind of like modular type. But gotcha. they're all, okay. but they're all, they're all smart houses, so they're all connected to solar panels and to microgrids within the subdivision. Smart homes, smart homes, right? Completely mm-hmm. smart. Everything's everything's gonna be connected through smart technology. So, well, I ain't I ain't living in any kind of house that's smarter than I am. Okay, <laughs> I just I want I want bricks and lumber. That's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm dealing with. But, you know, all this brings up an interesting question, you know, before we start really talking about the law and and what we as lawyers can do, let's kind of talk about us ordinary mortals in general. Right. So there's this there's all this cool activity going on. And I think for a lot of us, it feels like, well, unless I'm somebody like Elon Musk or unless I'm a Jeff Bezos, I really can't. 
or unless I, I come from money and I have a big infrastructure behind me, I really can't, I really can't benefit from all this, all this crazy cool development. How can, how can normal people like us get involved with something like this and, and really start to learn and develop and, you know, enrich ourselves intellectually and otherwise, you know, through this whole process of space development? You know, I would call on, on our, when we, when we went to go take a tour of, of SpaceX, there was uh, the person who gave it. So, so their tour guides at SpaceX are actual engineers. Hmm. And so this, this individual who's given us a tour had mentioned that he had kind of worked his way up and he was from the region. And so he, he went to the local university. He, he kind of, you know, he was passionate about SpaceX, you know, years ago and eventually got his degree in engineering and was able to come and be a part of the SpaceX team. I think if if you're passionate about space exploration or space, you know, the aerospace industry, there's a lot of information out there right now that you just, if you just go on Google, you'll find opportunities to learn about it. Will just had sent me a link about a LLM program in air and space, right? So, so the, I mean, that that's clearly like a higher level, like education, you know, after law school, you, you go and do that. But there are technical schools that are teaching about just welding, you know, how to, you can get a technical degree in welding and go out and be a, be a welder and, and be a part of uh, one of the biggest projects in, in the country right now and work for SpaceX or, or, and, and we're talking about SpaceX because it's local to Brownsville, but there are other, you know, Jeff Bezos and everybody else that's had, has their projects. Going yeah. On. I mean, not everybody can be an Elon Musk or right. Jeff Bezos or, you know, all those other cool, smart, rich people. But I think that the everyday person can get on, get online, like Victor said, and find opportunities. There's grants out there. As a matter of fact, Brownsville's BTX, Launch BTX, mm-hmm. is a program that has partnered with both space enterprises as well sure. as institutions of higher education to provide that training that we're talking about. And so, you know, if, if individuals are not sophisticated to where they already have that training, they can get that training. They don't have to be engineers. They can be welders. As a matter of fact, I met more welders at the um, the SpaceX facility than I did engineers, actual engineers. And one of the things that I noticed was they had they were doing stuff old school. They had you know those dry erase marker boards more than they did computers. And so there, there is a need in all areas. As a matter of fact, there was an article. I think it was a video article recently on the guy that's selling coffee out there. Because there's no coffee shops out there, right? And everybody okay. needs their coffee. Right, right. And he, he was making a business selling coffee out there. And so there, there's, 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 there's opportunities for everyone. You just have to have the desire and the dedication. And, and if you don't have the information, then you reach out to your, your local entities. So let's, let's maybe bring this, bring this back to the law now, right? So, yes, the, the, the welding sounds really cool. I mean, that's, that sounds like a cool job. But, we, you know, we lawyers are usually mired in books and, and, and phone calls and Zoom meetings and all this kind of stuff. So, Victor, your article talks, talks about, you know, the space exploration with regards to what we as lawyers need to do and, and, and how we need to kind of adapt and be ready. Can you talk about some of the areas of law? that you think would be most salient in this new space frontier? What do we lawyers need to kind of bone up on or maybe learn anew to arm ourselves? Yeah. Before I answer that question, it's, it's, it's understanding that, that a lot of times law and technology are at run at different paces, right? (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Right. Right. And and so if you think about it in, in the way space exploration started, 
it was very you know um from a national perspective right so you had Mm -hmm. you had the the space treaty of like the 60s which really every nation was kind of competing to see who 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 would get to space first and then it slowly started to develop and and it you know late 2000s right 2015 around there you started to see the commercialization of, of space exploration and so there were different laws that were passed that finally acknowledged okay like so you get to space and you collect you know you collect things from space like who, who does it belong to right and so it's 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 just now within the past seven years really started to develop but, but that's from like a very high level perspective but i i think as as a lot of these startups and we're seeing them and this is where i talk about the tentacles right of projects like spacex you have companies startup companies that are that are turning out you know new technologies to support support spacex and those new startups are, I mean, you're talking about intellectual property, uh, increase in, in, in services and intellectual property, right? Uh, so they can protect those technologies. Um, mergers, acquisitions, you know, informing these tech companies on how they can better structure their, their business, their corporations. Th- those are just some of the very few things that I think are niches of law that will be impacted by the new space rush. But like when you talk about structuring a company to be ready for this, in my head, I'm kind of thinking offhand that how would the structure change? I mean, whether it's an LLC or whether it's an S corp or whatever you're doing, structuring the company is structuring the company. Why would that change if you're in a in a space paradigm? Well, I think it relates to all the technologies, right? I mean, if uh, you want to protect your your patents, as you know, and and a lot of these companies, they're they're you know what they want to diversify their i guess how they protect each area of the other business right and so that's where i would see like just the strategic planning in in how you how you set those subsidiaries or whatever it might be uh, to better protect the overall company's interest i mean it's a great way for them to also build that barrier for liability right cuz mm-hmm. the space races there's inherent risk involved i mean i think we sure. i think all of us are young enough or old enough to remember the, um, the challenger disasters. And yes, like exactly. That, right? And so there's inherent risk and that, that was government, but now mm-hmm. we have commercial mm-hmm. space flights. And so commercial space flights over cities, over bodies of water. And so you they definitely, there's, there's going to be an area or an effort, I would say to create that barrier for liability. So when you talk about sole proprietor, I mean, I wouldn't have a sole proprietor go out there and start. Right. <laughs> And also, and also, well, right, is, is, is the, you know, commercial debt and the financing portions that come with it. Cause, cause these are, are high risk industries and they cost, you have to have a lot of financing behind it. Right. So it's, it's really set and set, helping companies, uh, strategically set up the financing and their risk mitigation. In terms of getting the legal realm ready for all this, are there any Texas law schools that have started to really embrace this idea of, of space law or, incorporating you know space into their into their other programs or is this something that our law schools need to start looking more deeply into you know i i've i just rolled off the texas young lawyers association but i'm no longer a young lawyer i'm a i would say older wiser lawyer uh an owl if you would say that <laughs> but, I would, but, I, but i would say i would say welcome to the club except i don't i don't really fit into the wiser part so that's fine <laughs> But no, like so with, with TULA, we, we were very involved with all the law schools, and I'm not aware, I'm not aware of a of a law school, Texas law school, right now that has a 
uh, specialty or, or kind of extensive training in, in air and space law? I mean, it's, it's funny you say that or ask that because, you know, like, like Victor, I'm not aware of any law schools mm-hmm. in Texas that are offering. Earlier, Victor and I were shooting off mm-hmm. on some programs out of state that were offering on cyber on, um, space law. Sure. But I have noticed cybersecurity been an uptick in a lot of the business schools. Sure. Um, and there's a few programs that offer LLMs in cybersecurity. But I think that's one area, like if you're, this is where you're getting to, I think that's one area that needs to be improved is the law schools, especially because of Houston. I mean, Houston, there's no reason, there's mm-hmm. no excuse because we have Houston that is already a, a you know, spacefaring area. Why our law schools do not have programs on, on space law. And so I would hope that some of them have, but I mean, just like Victor, I'm not aware of any. I don't think it's a, for a lack of trying or, or being engaged. I think it's just because the law hasn't changed yet. And so to develop a program like that, you know, we're writing the, the article for the Texas Bar Journal that, that's going to be out, you know, in, in, in July. It was difficult to, to find the most updated law because it, it really hasn't. Like I said, just in the past seven years, it's slowly started to recognize the commercialization of air and space, right? Not not, not just because before it was just on the public sector, the government sector, right? Now it's actually private corporations going out and trying to... um, And that makes you wonder really, like, why? I mean, mm -hmm. NASA has been in existence for a long time. Why hasn't the law changed? Is it not only because commercial is involved a little bit more? But, you know, Victor's on on the right course of, of saying that nothing much has changed. And just recently, really... You know, two weeks ago, Biden signed a couple of legislations dealing with cybersecurity that have some impact on space. But I mean, we still there's a bill that's pending in in the Texas in the U.S. House that would declare space a critical infrastructure. So we have like 16 levels of mm-hmm. critical infrastructure, mm-hmm. and space is in one of them. And that just tells you we're, we're behind the curve. We're behind the ball as far as the law on. The space race. Well, and it's 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 interesting, right? Because the question then becomes vis-a-vis other countries, vis-a-vis our rivals, you know, the, the, the European Union, China, you know, possibly India to some degree, you know, how does how does the US fare on these issues? Are we are we behind them? Are we ahead of them? Are we neck and neck? You know, I don't know how many private entities are doing space exploration in any of the rival nations, but maybe you guys have some insight on that. I don't have any insight on that, but I'll just go back to maybe a further point about uh, linking uh, law schools to this need to develop law or, or the practice of, of aerospace law, right? Is, you know, we you, you, you drive down your local highway, interstate, and you see all the billboards or personal injury attorneys, mm-hmm. or family law attorneys or criminal law attorneys. Sure. And, and there's always a need for for that type of service, but for law students coming graduating law school and getting their, their law license to uh, bar card. This is a, this is a fantastic area to develop a niche at the ground level, right? As, as the law begins to develop is because you'll be one of those foundational uh, attorneys that has experience that has developed a practice in aerospace law. And, and I think that, I think that's a great sell for law schools. And you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to neglect the issue of cybersecurity because I know Will that was that was really the focus of of your article about cybersecurity and and how it's changing. How does cybersecurity relate to space exploration in particular? I mean, 
to a lot of us, those would be two separate issues. You're getting a cyber attack or you're exploring space. What's the, what's the link between them? Yeah, I mean, so for all the satellites out there, we rely on them for everything from manufacturing mm-hmm. to GPS. I mean, GPS essentially is 24, I believe it's 24 atomic clocks that pick up the differences as you go throughout movement. And so if, if, if you have some kind of, I mean, you can literally throw off a whole nation, really send it into a disaster if some of those satellites are, are infiltrated or breached. And same thing goes with commercial flights. I mean, if, if, if a lot of the technology that's in place now, maybe not 50 years ago when we landed it on the moon, but a lot of that is based on how we connect with computers not, not things are wireless, right? So you have a lot of technology that's using Bluetooth. They're using Wi-Fi. They're using satellite communications. And so I think it, it, the technology, as far as it's increased exponentially, right? A few years ago, mm-hmm. we didn't think we would have cell phones that we can record like this particular podcast. Sure. But now we have that technology. And, and unfortunately, so has the, the ability for those that want to cause harm that has increased as well. And so as we continue this space race, right, whether it's national or commercial, commercial, the danger they're in has also increased. And I think that's one of the reasons why the UN, for example, has a committee mm-hmm. right now that is looking into cybersecurity and a component of that is for the space, as well as the US. They're looking at that as well. And quite frankly, too, it's proprietary, right? A lot of the technology that SpaceX is using is proprietary as well as the other competing companies. And so a simple breach can easily expose what their, what their the components and technology is. Yeah. Well, and it's, this actually brings up you know, kind of another question. Before we get to it, though, this question is really about our national preparedness for something like this. Before we get to that, we need to hear quickly from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we'll, we're going to continue talking about cybersecurity. So... Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. The Texas Lawyers Assistance Program provides confidential help for Texas lawyers, law students, and judges who have problems with substance use and mental health issues. TLAP offers 24-7 confidential support and can connect you to peers and providers for assistance. TLAP can also connect you to the Sheeran Crowley Lawyer Wellness Trust, which provides financial help to Texas lawyers, law students, and judges who need treatment for substance use, depression, and other mental health issues but can't afford to pay for services. Call or text TLAP anytime at 1-800-343-8527. Okay, and we're back. Now, we left off talking about, about cybersecurity and its relation to space. And really, the question now becomes, you know, Will, in your article, you talked about a particular cyber breach that appeared to involve a foreign actor who was, who was advocating Russia's position in the war with Ukraine. And... You know, it, it really begs the question, why isn't the U.S. better prepared to defend against such attacks? And moreover, what, you know, what do we as lawyers, what role do we play in helping, in helping the U.S. and our clients kind of prepare for such eventualities? That's a good point is why, why aren't we as prepared or maybe we don't seem as prepared as mm-hmm. other countries. And I think that one of the things that has helped is... Like I said, President Biden signed two pieces of legislation recently. One is the State and Local Government Cybersecurity Act of 2021. He signed it on June 21st of this year, so a couple of weeks ago. And, and the whole point of that is to basically have the federal government provide training to state and local agencies 
And that might be in an effort to increase cybersecurity. Because when you think about it, I mean, all these local governments, they're the ones that are getting hacked. The one mm-hmm. that you're talking about was a municipal airport. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just the fact of training, but it's also there is, an, there is a component of not having the money for it too. So the municipal airport in that particular city, what are they tell the, their, their constituents? We're spending all this money in for infrastructure you can't see versus we're going to fill in the potholes. And that's what I really break it down to is when you have state and local governments, they, they take care of the day-to-day. They're the ones that interact more with the citizens. And so at the end of the day, a council member or a commissioner is not going to go to their constituency and say, hey, we're really beefing up our cybersecurity. We're going to protect you guys. Maybe in Osmar, Florida, where they had that possible poisoning of the public water. Sure, with the lie. That, they probably right. care about that now. But right. before, they're probably more concerned about their potholes. So, so then do, do you think we're going to get to a point then when along with space exploration and this issue, are we going to kind of tie space exploration with the issue of cybersecurity and then create more of these types of governmental grants to get people on board with cybersecurity alongside space exploration or maybe as a subset of it? I mean, do you see the two issues getting tied from a developmental standpoint? I, I, I do see that. And, and as a matter of fact, there are some repairs that are being done out in space, but at some point we're going to have manufacturing done in space, hmm. right? Just so, was it, Victor, a couple of weeks ago, FAA has cleared SpaceX to continue launch launches. Yep. Yeah, we'll probably see a space launch in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. We should all go out there and check it out. If we're allowed, I don't know. <laughs> we should plan a field trip. But, New podcast episode, live space yeah. <laughs> launch. This be great. It'll be live. Catch it then. <laughs> No, but, but, but in all seriousness, though, we're getting to the point where we are getting ourselves situated to where we can do commercial fight, flights, right, out in space. And I know that SpaceX's goal is to reach Mars. But at some point along that, that mission that they have, there's going to be manufacturing out in space. And a lot of that is going to be done through communications here on Earth. And how do they communicate with Earth? They're going to communicate. They don't communicate with radio signals anymore like the way they used sure. to. They're going to communicate through satellites, and that is going to be cybersecurity intensive. And that's, and, and that's where the Starlink system kind of comes into play. Yeah, Victor. Rocky, I was just going to share a fact that's kind of just, it, it kind of sets the the tone here, right? Is we're talking about uh, funding, you know, state, federal funding, and 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 how how much money is out there and that it's going to be required to, to invest into this uh, new commercialization of space. And Morgan Stanley recently uh, put out a, a report that said the global space industry could generate a revenue of, of more than a trillion dollars by 2040, up from 350 billion currently. Like that's like that's there's a lot of money out there being invested in, into this new aerospace industry. And and if if the local, state, you know, federal governments are going to be a part of that, they're going to have to start allocating more funding to that. I want to ask the same question about cybersecurity that we did about space exploration and the commercialization of space, which is, you know, for, for a lot of lawyers, cybersecurity is just way too many syllables to, to put into your practice area. So how do we learn as lawyers, how do we learn more about this subject, especially if we're already practicing, right? If you're in law school, okay, maybe you can start focusing yourself. But for curmudgeons like me who are old, not wise, and, and lawyers, what do we need to do to kind of bone up on cybersecurity and make ourselves better advocates for our clients? So I have a quick story for that. Okay. As attorneys, we're supposed to know the law, 
right? And help clients sure. through that, whether it's because they are using it to get to point A to B or because they are trying to avoid some kind of criminal seminal penalty, right? I and mean, that's usually the foundation of our practice. Sure. When it comes to cybersecurity, and I think this is what happens with a lot of corporations is, you know, cybersecurity, you think about it, you think, oh, it's an IT issue. IT is the one that's right. going to be responsible for that, right? Somebody, right. some techie guy with plays video games at night, during the day he works as an IT, he's the one who's going to protect us. And the problem is with a lot of CEOs, they also have that perspective is, well, sure. we have IT, why are we going to spend billions of dollars on certain infrastructure for the network systems when we can just put a firewall or we can do X, Y, and Z? Right. To your point, though, as an attorney, I think it's imperative because if you have a client, whether it's municipal or corporation or even individual that suffers from a cybersecurity breach through identity theft, you're going to be you're going to want to walk that client through the various laws that are already in place that puts requirements on that entity to either do notice, pay fines, etc. Right? There's already mm-hmm. laws out there on data privacy, and there's laws out there a little bit on cybersecurity. But as an attorneys, I think it's incumbent upon us to know. And you do have your attorneys that do personal injury. I wish I wish we could all be like the Thomas J. Henry. And I don't mm-hmm. know if now we have to give them some kind of sponsorship. Deal. I think he's going to owe us now that you've mentioned him. So <laughs> yeah. we're, we're going we're gonna to send him an invoice. It'll be fine. <laughs> but you know, like, you know, we can't all be the Thomas J. Henry's, but I think when it comes to cybersecurity law, I think you need to be able to, to guide your client through whatever obstacle they have encountered, whether it's a company that has suffered a breach like Target, or if it's a client that has been the subject of a breach through a company like Target, right? Right, right. And I've been, I haven't been both, right? I'm not mm-hmm. a rich Target owner, but I have <laughs> been the subject of rage from Target where my debit card was hacked or Texas Department of Motor Vehicles where their database was hacked. Sure. I'm getting all sorts of calls about my driver's license and my car warranties and God knows what else mm-hmm. because of that. And so I think, I think as an attorney, you need to know the laws. You need to know, be able to walk them through the different faults that are there. So I also think that corporations are looking more to their in-house counsel to be more than just attorneys. Uh, they're looking for their in-house counsel to be the, the the VPs, right? VP and general counsel, having more of a partnership role. And so I think uh, as lawyers, we can share the legal knowledge that we have in these areas of law as also being a, a partner in, in the operations of it. I think that's critical. So Victor, actually, I think you you gave us a a perfect place to mention that that looking at the clock we are kind of at the end of our of our time together although it's gone by very fast i think there's a lot more we could cover a lot more to talk about so you know we'll definitely save that for for a follow up at some point because it sounds like there's there's a lot more to discuss and you guys are doing some great work down there in Brownsville so congratulations to both of you and Victor and Will i want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us and for telling us about Telling us about all the wonderful things that are happening in Brownsville and Cameron County. Thank you, guys. No, thank you. It's our pleasure. And we can continue the show at that live broadcast. Yeah, at the launch. We'll just have to talk really, really loud. Yes. (laughs) Raise your voices. So again, thank you both. And of course, I want to thank you for tuning in. And I want to encourage you to stay safe and continue to be well. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, remember, life's a journey, folks. I'm Rocky Deer, signing off. 
If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Go to TexasBar.com slash podcasts. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the State Bar of Texas, Legal Talk Network, or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.